0: Is second down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshary and PJ Zuko. Glad to have y'all hanging out alongside. So much to dive into today. We got GHSA flag football on the TV right now. Our good friends up there at GPB Sports. John Nelson and the gang doing an awesome job. And of course, tomorrow, Kevin Thomas and myself will be in Atlanta for Benedictine and Carver Columbus for the quad ace. Look, look, PJ is watching overtime there. Of the girls' flag football state championship, you got you got a score update for us. In a rare instance,
1: too. I mean, with, with flag football, it's uh, you got. With flag football, you you got seven people on the field, right? It's it's kind of wide open. I know it's a smaller field, eighty yard field, but normally you see. I mean, normally watching flag football with me is it's you look for those high scores and whatnot, right? It's yeah. overtime with with Dodge County and Alithia Springs. Zero to zero.
0: Defensive struggle.
1: How about it, man? You love to see it. And
0: I saw Lithia Springs have a girl on their team named Maya Moore. That's like wow. naming your kid Michael Jordan. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You're just setting them up for failure, but apparently Maya Moore is living up to it because she has like, a, like two interceptions in this game or something like that. So, again, ton of football going on. Uh, I want to dive into college football here. I mean, surprising absolutely no one. Uh, but Clemson, kind of the center of the universe right now in college football, but not for the reasons Clemson would want to be the center of the college football universe. Kind of the worst-kept secret of the past month, Dan Radakovich is headed from Clemson to Miami as the athletic director taking a lateral job, uh, was the athletic director at Georgia Tech before he moved to Clemson, obviously highly successful at Clemson, now taking over at Miami, and then the first move I guess he made, or I don't know if you can credit him with this, even though I guarantee you he's highly involved, uh, Mario Cristobal, obviously the new head coach at Miami as well. Clemson's already lost Brent Venables to Oklahoma as their new head coach, and now it seems like Tony Elliott – their offensive coordinator, is the top target for Virginia Mm. as their head coach. So think about where Clemson was at the start of the year. You have DJ Uyunglele coming in, and people think, hey, we saw him a couple games last year. He could be the guy. You're losing Trevor Lawrence, but you you have this big, tall five-star from California who can sling it around. Don't have Travis Etienne coming back, but you have some good players, and the defensive line is absolutely nasty. You have maybe the best defensive coordinator in the country. Dabo Sweeney's been there, done that, won the national championship. So you're in a really good place. Look where they are now defensive coordinator's gone. Offensive coordinator could potentially be gone. You go nine and three on the season and really had to fight and claw yeah. at the end of the season to go <laughs> nine and three, miss the ACC championship game, and now you're losing both of your coordinators. This is a defining moment for Clemson because they are not a blue blood. They are a new blood, right? They very recently have come on the scene as a trendsetter alongside. I would say, over the past seven years, they're right there with Alabama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Like they are right there. So they have become that standard setter alongside Alabama. Obviously, Alabama is the gold standard, but Clemson was right there. Mm -hmm. This is what makes, or this is why what Alabama does is so impressive. Is coordinators go in and out? You lose all these different coaches. You, they, People are laughing. It's like, look at all the different SEC coaches who have been on Nick Saban's staffs before, right? Yeah. And yet Alabama just keeps on trucking. Clemson right now, they're in a defining offseason for their program. I know there's a lot of people out there saying, come on, they're blue blood. They, they won that championship back in the 80s. Look at the 90s. Yeah. Look at the early 2000s. They, they had some good teams sporadically, but nothing consistent. It really wasn't until Taj Boyd that they really started competing, and then, what was it, Clemsoning was the thing? Yep. Because they were good. You could see it. They were really good, but they never got over the hump. Then you get Deshaun Watson, win a national championship, play for another one, and then Trevor Lawrence, obviously what he did. So you have become one of those standard setters, but losing your athletic director and then losing two coordinators, specifically in terms of the football team, this is the defining offseason for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney because I don't think it would shock anyone if they just – became another really good team but not one of these standards of college football
1: yeah yeah so i i like the way you put that too with with the new blood with the with the defining moment for this team and for this program because and, and really i think to me for for a head coach as well because this is uh, you have everyone around you leaving Except for, you know, maybe those players, obviously. You have those players and you left, basically. Your athletic director gone, your coordinators, main coordinators gone. What do you do now? And not only that, but but how much success do you have moving forward? I think now is when we see was this program over the last seven, eight years just kind of when you use this expression it's 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 most of the time over like one week or one year. But was it lightning in a bottle? in the perfect situation for seven or eight years and that's it? Or do you make your name for yourself even more now as an incredible head football coach, someone who can do what Nick Saban has done over the past 10 to 15 years and restock, reload, rally people around you and execute in the right way to move forward and have that success? And, you know, a a lot of this, I I spent so many years, or not only me, but I, I think everyone, many years wondering, all right, when does when does Venables move on and take a head coaching job? Because I mean, we've seen it for I think the past four or five years. Just the questions like, all right, normally you have really well a, to, a ton to be of fair, success. To Clemson
0: they broke him off, and so they were like, hey, we're going to give you two million dollars just to be the defensive coordinator, right? So yep. it's like it was it had to be a very enticing Oklahoma level job yeah. to get him away.
1: But like you have that the kind of success that they've had and that defense has had over the you know their time at the top near the top you know yeah. and you you expect to see those kind of moves even with alabama we see those moves one or two successful years and then that guy's gone to an incredible job um so yeah you you've kind of seen that and now it's it's about replacing reloading and, and moving forward and it had to be a year like this it was very clear that it wasn't these guys weren't going to leave after a national championship year or or a 12 in one season where you know you lose in the playoff of the national championship. It had to be a year like this. So everything, which is weird, you know, nine and three for a normal program is actually really good.
0: Yeah, but nine and three used to be good for Clemson too, but now it's yeah. a disappointing season. So that's what I'm different. saying. I feel like yeah. this is a this is a defining offseason. I mean, Cam, what do you think is more likely? Clemson gets the coordinator hires right, they get the quarterback situation figured out, and they're back humming and winning the ACC again, or Clemson kind of goes back to early two thousands, Clemson, where it's eight, nine, sometimes ten wins a year but never back to that elite level. I can see, man. I was mean, asking, what, what do you feel like is more likely? Has, like, has I, Dabo Sweeney earned the benefit of the doubt?
2: I think he has. I think he has. I still think they like they can win 10, 11 wins, not based on. But that's is that good enough? As of right now, I would say it's good enough. Well, what is and that? The only reason why I would say as of right now, if you go two, three years where you win, let's just say you go 11 and 2 and you win the ACC, I think Clemson fans would be like, okay, you've given us two national championships. We'll give you a couple of oh, years to get I'm not saying hot
0: seat whatsoever. I'm saying more so, mm-hmm. does Clemson just regress to being a top 10 team now, I, versus, yeah, I believe that. versus a top 14?
2: Yeah, I don't think they're going to be a top 14 for the next two, three years. I saw – I didn't know DJU was that bad this it's, year.
0: It's, so so <laughs> what you're saying is the days of Alabama-Clemson it's in, over. The, in, in yeah. the college ball playoffs are over. No, I think it's over. This isn't just a one-year hiccup.
2: Yeah, I think it's over. I actually do believe I I, I don't
0: think it's just Clemson. I think the rest of the ACC, I I really like the Brent Pry hire at Virginia Tech. Uh, Mike Norvell had an unbelievable season turning around Florida State. If Mario Cristobal can be what people think he can be at Miami. Because remember, the ACC, when they originally got those two teams, put them in different divisions and said – This is going to be our marquee matchup every year. It's going to be Miami-Florida State for the ACC championship, and it's literally never happened. Yeah, So they're kind of counting on those teams getting back into the fray, which I I doubt we see both of those teams as perennial top five teams, but could we see one or the other fairly consistently up there? I think that's absolutely a possibility, especially with – Florida kind of bottoming out right now and having to figure out what they're doing in the state. I think one, if not both of those teams could surpass Florida for the time being. But that being said, when it comes to Clemson, I, I just think this with everything else that's going on, I think this is kind of flying under the radar, which is have we seen the end of a modern day dynasty? Oh man, it's hard to say. That. Every time we try to bury Alabama they come back. They come back like the most vengeful zombie you've ever seen well, in your they, life. They, yeah, but
2: Dabble Sweeney gets that chance that Nick Saban's been getting, where he just replaces assistants, well, assistants. Well, this yeah, is Nick Saban has now. a year every now and then yeah.
0: where he'll lose two games in Alabama, like a couple every, years ago. Matt everybody Jones. just like sits in depression all summer long, waiting for the next season to come because they don't know what to do when you lose two games and you're not in the national championship mm-hmm. game. But then they have two, three years in a row where they're in the college football playoff. So. Clemson could next year go 11-1, win the ACC, and be right back in the playoffs. I just don't think it's likely.
2: Yeah, I want to see if Dabo is I, – I know Dabo is a great coach. He's a great coach. And he's but, built a great program. Yeah, he's built a, a great program. Because, uh, But are they, like, built of that type of stuff? Like, Nick Saban, he does it every single year. Coordinator goes to Texas and Ole Miss every single year. O'Brien's probably going to get a head coaching gig somewhere else after probably this year. Probably not this year, yeah. At, not this year, but maybe next year, but – Let's see if Dabo can actually replace some of the guys that's been with him for almost a decade. Really,
1: I so. agree with you guys, and, and that—that's what like I agree with you guys a lot. Like I think that regression is going to come, and and you know whether they get back to being in the mold, being that that top four, top five team every every single year, maybe in three or four years, that's one thing. I think you're going to hear a lot of the other, which is weird. I think you're going to hear a lot of the other way though, where a lot of people just expect them to keep going because. We've, so, we, we've grown so accustomed to it with Alabama, right? We, we've referenced it 15 times while talking about this. Well, I mean, Alabama, the pro- program they've built 15, 16 years, coordinators in and out, that they're still right there at the top. We've kind of grown like accustomed to that and used to that and just expect that from other teams now, right? Yeah, Clemson's been really strong, but th- this is, I think, where we regress back to the mean a little bit where we don't see this type of... of you know prominence for a team like Clemson, like we do for Alabama. That to me, this puts back in perspective just how incredible of a program and uh, of a coach Nick Saban is. And I think we'll see that over the next three or four years when Clemson, yes, naturally losing this much, does regress a little bit. Like you said, does that mean Dabo Sweeney isn't a great head coach or, or is on the hot seat or anything like that? No, not at all. No. That's not what I mean. When you when you look back and, and you see the great coaches that stayed. at at programs for 30 or 40 years they had seasons where they went like three and nine but the but but the the school stood behind them so i don't think that's coming for clemson i think a couple maybe eight and four nine and three years you know finishing in the top 15 that certainly could happen but yeah i i think this is where we see more of a a regression i mean in a normal college football scenario happen with clemson where they next two or three years they lose a little bit but if they're able to make the right hires and find steady ground, yeah. they'll just, rise back to the to top. To me,
0: it's fascinating because since the beginning of the college football playoff, we'll use that as the the kicking-off point, there have been three teams, and I'll say one that's kind of been hanging out there too, but three really main teams, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Yeah, they, They've seemingly been there at the end every single year in contention for that playoff spot, and more often than not, they're in the playoffs, Right. And I put Oklahoma up there as well. They're, they're like right they're, there, yeah. They're se- they're seemingly every single year they're there, they get do they get boat race when they get in there. Certainly. But <laughs> they're in the college football playoff every year. Yeah. I just think it's fascinating. And maybe again, Clemson's earned the benefit of the doubt that with all of these changes going on, and after just such maybe it's because of the way they finish, people just kind of forgot about it. Like, oh yeah, nine wins. I think we might be looking at kind of a changing of the guard coming up. Has Michigan become a team now that will consistently be competing for that top four spot? Do we have a couple of other teams out of the Big Ten? Does somebody step up inside the ACC? Can NC State take that next step? Because when the spotlight got big, they kind of crumbled. But can they na- take that next step under Dave Doran? Is there an SEC team that can fill that spotlight? Because right now it's just Georgia and Alabama dominating that side. So could Texas A&M maybe take that next step? Who's that next team – that becomes a year-in-and-year-out college football playoff contender. I don't know, but I think Clemson just kind of opened the door a little bit. And maybe it's good for the ACC because now there'll be some parity inside that conference. We, we already have a new champion this year, right? It's not just Clemson running amok. I think it's good for college football, but I also don't inherently think we're talking about it enough because what Clemson just did since 2014 to now is hugely impressive. Did they miss? Like, they, they, they weren't in it in 2014, but from 15 to 20, they were in it every year, think, right? Yeah, I think yeah, they, they were, yeah. Missed. Yep. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's
1: insane. Even, I mean, in 2020. And what, Alabama's like, missed once? In a COVID year, and they're in 2020, too.
0: I mean. has has Yeah, Alabama yeah, missed, missed once.
2: that one year when they lost to LSU when Tua, and when, Auburn. Yeah, when yeah. Tua
0: got hurt yeah. and Mac Jones yeah. lost to Auburn. I think yeah. so that's the only. So, Bama's, lo- Bama's missed once.
1: Right. It's mm. insanely impressive. Uh, that with Clemson too. I mean, this isn't a a insanely big dig at hint. Like, uh, but I mean, they made it with with Kelly Bryant that one year too, where the, really the mm-hmm. defense was kind of <laughs> yeah. everything for that team. Yeah. Still made it and and, and competed. So yeah, that was
0: 2017. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got blown so, out too.
1: You no, know, they did. Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, but it's still been insanely impressive and and a, and a great run. But yeah, I I think we'll see. Kind of a, a, a regression on the mean a little bit for a, for a program like this, and we'll I think I think more forward.
0: seasons like this are, are more likely than seeing them jumping back to where they're going to the college football playoff three yeah. years in a row. And right. not just because I don't think they'll be a good program, but I think the ACC is going to get better and more competitive. It already is. I mean, Wake Forest uh, it was unbelievable this year. I think North Carolina I think will figure it out. Uh, and then when you look at Miami and Florida State, I think those are the two to really keep an eye on them. We've obviously been keeping an eye on them since they joined the ACC. Yeah, We're just course. waiting for them <laughs> uh, to take that step. Again, potentially losing Tony Elliott. He's been named one of the top guys for the Virginia coaching job. You've already lost your defensive coordinator and your Athletic director is headed to Miami. So interesting times, turbulent times up there at Clemson. I want to come back. I want to take a look at the rest of the coaching hires around college football because there is a name from the SEC that has been thrown around for a big-time job opening, and I want to take a look at that and just kind of grade some of the hires that we have already seen. Second down here on ESPN Radio, Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko and Cam Urshry. We'll be back after this. Form source Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko and Cam Urshery. Join ESPN Savannah in collecting toys uh, for underprivileged children this holiday season. We have five, di- I- I'll tell you that back, we have six different locations in Savannah you can drop toys off at. Again, unwrap toys. Uh, we have Geechee Roots, Cash and Carry, Hall of Sneakers, Coach's Corner, and both locations. For the uniform source again, help us out. You guys did an unbelievable job last year with this toy drive. We will be collecting toys until the 23rd in partnership with Feed the Hungry. Uh, Guys, we're going to talk about the coaching hires, but I did find this interesting because coming up here uh, in a little while, I actually believe next Wednesday, National Signing Day. Big time date for college football, and it's really the reason that we have seen – just this avalanche of coaching news and transfer news is because of this early mm-hmm. signing period and kind of how it's reset the clock. Well, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlsby has said that there is a significant movement towards shifting the rules and maybe even the date around signing period. This is from Adam Rittenberg on ESPN.com. He says, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said Wednesday there have been preliminary discussions with the NCAA's Football Oversight Committee and in coaching circles about possibly changing the early signing period for recruiting. And I, I think that's fascinating because it really has kind of taken the, I don't want to say the luster out of National Signing Day, but there's just so much going on ahead of this, right? You're, getting into bowl season, there's obviously the coaching changes that are going on this time of the year. It's, I think it's kind of unfair for administrations, for the student-athletes, and for the coaches who are trying to make a move. Because if you were thinking about staying with a program, uh, let's go Brian Kelly. If you're Brian Kelly, you're saying, hey, I know I'm leaving for LSU. I want to stay and finish out my tenure, that's impossible right now if you want to have any kind of recruiting class mm-hmm. for the 2022 class, right, yeah. because of this early signing period. So if you were going to take a job, you have to go ahead and take it right after the final regular season game. I think, and I think Brooks Austin said this as well, I don't think you sh- the players should be able to sign until after the national championship. Yeah, he said that. Yeah. I think the the Wednesday after the national championship. Because what national championship is on Monday night?
2: Yes, uh, January tenth.
0: Yeah, so it's on a Monday night. Wait until the Wednesday after and do it then if you want to. do And it's still a month early because the next one's in yeah. February. Right. You, it's still a month early. You can still get the kids to campus. Mm-hmm. I just I understand the premise of the early signing period because the majority of the players who do the early signing period want to go ahead and enroll early. I don't think you change anything but the date because I just right now it's it's force feeding coaches having to leave early, pulling coordinators away and doing all this versus letting them finish out their year with their team. And it makes them kind of seem like the bad guy yeah. ahead of the early signing period. But also, with the transfer portal, ahead of early signing period, you're thinking, okay, I ha- I want to wait and see what I get in this class and then fill my holes with the transfer portal. Obviously, like the, the whales of the transfer portals, the Spencer Rattlers of the world, they're going to go and – they'll probably take scholarships away from kids who are going to come out of this class regardless. Yep. But like we saw Mel Tucker do, you can flip your roster with the transfer portal. I think waiting until after the national championship makes a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I I like that a lot, uh, honestly. Uh, just just kind of figuring out all the moving parts of it in my head. But, uh, I mean, like you said, you try to avoid all this craziness with, with the coaches, and you can still have the recruiting visits and everything like that throughout December Mm -hmm. as well by certain coaches and by coaches, of course that that are going to be there moving forward and hopefully are able to, I I mean, I depending on the school, depending when they do go back to classes, maybe that puts a a little bit more stress on the early enrollment process and and making sure you get everything done really, really quickly to be able to get to your college, whatever respective college that is. Uh, But I think it does avoid a, a lot of this trouble that we're seeing right now with with coaches you know uh, moving and, and having you know different jobs and things like that. I mean, what happens when Notre Dame was almost in the college football playoff, right? What happens when it is a team that's going to be in the national championship? going to yeah. be not the national championship, but going to be in, in the college football playoff? And of course you don't see, you're not going to see that with an Ohio State. you're not going to see that with with an Alabama or something like that. But you might see Cincinnati this year, right? Going to be in the college football playoff. If Luke Fickle was offered a job somewhere else for millions and millions more dollars and a huge college football program, he would take that. And would, would he still be there? Would he still be on the sidelines? Probably not because he has to do exactly what Brian Kelly did right. and leave for the purpose of, of recruiting and, and getting that signing class together. So um, I think that does make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I can't see a lot of negatives with that other well, than kind of— know.
0: Th- I don't know if there's any negatives, and I'll, I'll, right, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get what I'm saying, but yeah. let me ask you this. Is the reason I say after the national championship game is I think it's fair to every coach, which is yeah. if you're talking about Luke Fickle there and Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh, if they're getting ready for the national championship, then everyone else— has time to be out recruiting because their seasons are done and they're Mm -hmm. having to get ready for another football game, literally the most important football game. So I do think (laughs) it would make it fair for everyone involved. But I think Greg Sankey pointed this out. Have we already just – I think he said the way he said it was let the the toothpaste out of the tube. Like you can't get it back in. Like you've already basically pushed up these hiring processes so much that even if you moved signing day back to later in December or into January – Schools and administrators already know I, after that regular final regular season game, I can go get my head coach. Yeah. I, I, I think we might be at that point where it doesn't matter where you move it. You've already changed it too much.
2: Yeah, that's true, but I, uh-huh. I'll go a different route. I just don't think it's fair to the kids either, though. I really don't. How so? Um, um, I'll just say this. like, Say if you're an Alabama recruit and Alabama is playing in the college football playoffs and the national championship – And you get that one time in high school just assigned to play college football and a lot of the attention is towards that school that day when it should be towards you. I just don't think it's fair to the kids. So if you move move the day after, what, the national championship or bowl games, now all the attention is on the kids because at the end of the day, it's still kid signing. You don't have a recruiting class without those recruits. I just don't think it's. I will, fair to I will the kids say this. Either.
0: I do think it's taken away a lot of the luster around National Signing Day because it used yeah. to be a huge day-long oh, event. Sure. I yeah.
2: didn't even know it was yeah. coming up. Yeah, you had. I didn't.
0: Yes, next week. But you have kids like you have kids on ESPN, CBS, all the different stations doing National Signing Day, and then at a much smaller level, it. Was on like all the the local news stations, right? We've had people, uh, students in here before on like on the mics we're on right now, uh, commit to play college. I know DJ Dallas did it when he committed to play at Miami. So it's it kind of takes the the limelight away from everyone. I will say this. I think social media has kind of just negated a bunch of this. The only thing early signing period is there for is literally you can go ahead and enroll at that school. Like, once you get that transcript in, you are enrolled at that school, right? The National Letter of Intent. I know there's going to be a – watch. There's going to be a whole lot of people on Twitter and Facebook and all the other social media that get real confused from three letters and just flipping one around. It's be NIL, NLI? (laughs) Wait a minute. Which which one are we talking about here? (laughs) So there's going to be a lot of confusion there. But I will say this. What I have kind of liked, and maybe just to play devil's advocate for keeping it the same, is the big-time players, The the – the ones who are the ESPN 300s right the rivals top 250 whatever you want to talk about people are gonna be there to cover them regardless yeah because it's clicks everyone cares about it if you have a Georgia hat a Florida hat and an Alabama hat up there people are gonna be paying attention to your decision it makes for good TV right if you do that early signing period let the let the players who have these like hot and heavy recruitments do it on their own terms and that most of them do they do like the four minute long produced videos. Right. They they do get everybody uh, inside the stadium for one guy committing. Right. What I kind of like has happened is people say that early signing period is bigger. I don't know that's inherently true. Does it have more popular players? Certainly. But the second signing day, the one that's on the traditional date in February is much bigger because that's when like 95 percent of high school football players sign mm-hmm. is because a lot of the coaches now for the non-top 25 schools have gone like, we're going to wait until after early signing period when these bigger schools have their recruiting classes filled out and we're going to catch the good guys that kind of fall through. yeah And so I think reading this, I would say a lot of G5 schools, a lot of lower level power five schools, certainly a lot of FCS schools are saying don't don't change it. Go ahead and get your guys, and then you give us like a month and a half to go out there and recruit the guys that you couldn't get mm-hmm. because you don't have enough slots, whereas it's just a cluster bomb if those are all stacked on top of each other. So just to play True devil's side. devil's advocate a little bit, I I think it would be a good idea to move it after National Signing Day and like kind of as we've been here talking about it, I just think we maybe have already let the cat out of the bag and there's been some good consequences and some bad consequences, but at the same time, if you're a college athlete and your coach waits three weeks to leave versus leaving the three weeks earlier do you really care it's like dude you're gonna leave us regardless yeah and like are you really working that hard to recruit if you know you're already taking another job
1: (laughs) yeah right i mean we've we've seen plenty of that uh just in with with the local you know some of the local college schools over the past five or six years uh universities um with you know what happened with jimbo florida state and everything like that so uh yeah
2: no who knows do you guys believe uh, Brian Kelly spoke to his players and said no, no, anything he, about he, leaving? I, I uh, actually no, believe oh, he did.
0: Uh, he, he, I know he did like the seven-minute meeting at seven o'clock uh-huh. in the morning. Okay. Where like they, he sent everybody a text out over like whatever it was, it was a group me okay. that they were all on, the, and he sent a text. He said, "Hey, meeting tomorrow at 7. I'm sorry, this got out over the press. Walked in there, said, "I'm leaving." Seven minutes later, walked out. Well, I mean, to be fair, do you really yeah. need to draw that out? No, I appreciate that. Like I'm the person. I appreciate. I'm the person who goes to a restaurant, and if you want the biggest tip from me, as a former bartender, if you want the biggest tip from me, ask me what I want to drink, ask me if I want what I want to eat, ask me if I need a refill, and then do you need a check? Like that, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the five minute meeting because I hate the meetings where it could have been an email, but now we're doing a two hour long meeting. I don't need all that. Those players, like dude, you're leaving. Say say what you need to say, and then let me go about my day. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's still respect for him to say anything, cause I'm sure Lincoln yeah.
0: Riley didn't say anything. I don't think so. I don't believe I read anything about Lincoln Riley getting together with the players yeah. whatsoever.
1: It's it's better than a, a note on the lockers, right, or or something uh, like yeah. that.
0: Yeah, old, old Bobby Petrino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laminated notes in the lockers, baby. I don't even there you go. Get started, and then man.
2: saying pig suey. I'm, I'm one It's a lot like, of things Bobby Petrino did that's questionable.
1: Yeah. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm one too. That like you, you, you might not, you know what you said. I was uh, what was that word you said I was filibustering the other day. Oh so, yeah. So I guess you might not believe this 100. percent But like, I'm someone with situations like that too. Is like, do we really need to say more than what we need to hear? Like, you know the point. You know what's going on. No, I think yeah, just, you guys meant a lot to me. That's awesome. But like, no, but I think I, so I, I like the it's the Person act. to
0: person, yeah. It's yeah, just, I
1: like the act of it, and and I am 100 percent with you. Like, yeah, I. In human, you know, person to person contact is the best way to communicate yeah. things. But also, I, I did see a lot of people going like uh, seven minutes, less than fifteen minutes. well I've I spent more time than, and I, I saw some of the jokes on, like yeah. that on Twitter. And I'm like, are you really going to have like an hour, an hour and a half meeting with with yeah, no. a team that, you know, you know what's going on? I'm taking a head coaching job. I'm I'm heading out. Like, there's not much more to be said. Yeah,
0: I can write that for you right now. Yeah. Hey guys. Uh, Sorry that you guys had to find out that way. Obviously, we know the news of why I'm here today. Uh, I I am taking another job, another opportunity presented itself for me and my family. I appreciate all the hard work and sacrifices that you guys have made uh, to get me to where I am right now. Uh, I know Notre Dame and their administration are going to take care of you guys. And, of course, all of you have my number. If you need anything, please do not hesitate to reach out. We'll always be family. I appreciate you guys, everything you've done. If you have any questions, I'll always be available. Thanks, guys. You need anything else, right? What do you need to talk about for an hour? That also
1: doesn't count, like the person-to-person contact that could have happened. Correct. Afterward, I feel like you know what I mean. Not everything is public speaking. No. Nah. you know,
2: everything. So. I'm sure everything that went behind closed doors didn't come out to be public. But it's enough respect. Well, for you I to don't go think talk Brian Kelly has
0: earned the benefit of the doubt there with some of the stuff he's <laughs> done. So yeah. What do you true.
1: mean? They talk about his family?
0: Well, sure. I would go beyond that and saying <laughs> yeah, that no, believe that's, me. That's, there's there's a lot more worse things uh, out there on Brian Kelly's record, but hey, he's the head coach at LSU now, so we get to see how that all works out. So a whole lot of people really excited about that. I've been on record of saying, sounds a whole lot like nine wins a season, but that's just me. That's just me.
2: Yep. Good luck. I give him give him about two three years. We'll see. I mean, I know year one. Every, won't everyone's be really pretty. excited
0: about Brian Kelly. Where would you have him ranked? Let's do this right now. Where would you have him ranked? Just power ranking the SEC West head coaches. West. Like is, he's obviously not Fourth. number one. Is he better than Jimbo? Yeah, we all know Mike. Fifth. Is he better than Lane? We, fifth. Is we he all better know. than Leach? He's not better. I don't think he's better than Pittman, so fifth. Wow, I'd, I'd take him over Pittman.
1: Yeah. Mm. I was going to say we all the know John Mike Leach number one. Yeah,
0: he's been a head coach for two years, though. And to be fair to Brian Kelly, he played in a BCS National Championship game, and he's been to the college football playoff a lot. Uh, Has he gotten destroyed every time he's been there? Certainly, but he got there. I
2: don't know. As of right now, I mean, LSU isn't going to be really good next year unless they get, like, Spencer Rattler or somebody like that. But yeah, they, I just two, lost, uh, they
0: just lost two Johnsons. Uh, Max Johnson has hit the transfer portal, and then his brother, the big tight end recruit out of Oconee County, uh, mm-hmm. decommitted. So they lost two Johnsons yesterday, and I think a lot of the early indications are they could both be heading to their father's alma mater, Brad Johnson, down to Florida State. Hmm.
2: Well, that's interesting. i just give LSU two, three years, then we could judge them. Year one oh, is going to be ugly. Oh,
0: see, this is how I know you were on the show with Cody, is Cody does the five-year-away prediction because no one's going to remember what the prediction is five years from now, and so you'll either be able to say, look, oh, I no, right, next year," or nobody remembers that you were wrong. No, next year I give him about eight eight wins. So Cam's already put the overrunner eight at eight wins. wins.
2: Like, you know, no, no less than eight wins. I think that's pretty – that's reasonable for Brian Kelly, but – Talking about competing and maybe a playoff berth, give him two, three years. Then I could judge him.
0: Again, that's very Cody of you, Cam.
2: That's my man. That's my man over there, Cody. That's very, very that's Cody man.
0: queen of you. Oh, look, 2026, I think it could be the Falcons year. You never <laughs> know. <laughs> no. We got more to come here on Second Down. We'll be right back after this. Second down on ESPN radio is presented to you by the uniform source, Christian Kelly alongside Cam Mercery, maybe PJ Zuko. Who's to say? Cam, there's been a ton of hires, and now another huge job opening with Mario Cristobal taking the job at Miami. Oregon now comes open. And we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, a SEC coach has already been linked to the job. And I think this guy is going to be linked to the West Coast as long as he is at his current school. Brian Harson. He was was linked to the Washington job, and now he is linked to the Oregon job. I just think that's going to be one of those things. He could be at Auburn for 15 years, and as long as a West Coast job is open, he is going to be linked. But, again, ton of hires around college football as B.J. Bennett just storms in here. I know three and out (laughs) is way more important, but we're we're trying to do a show here. Uh, we got a ton of hires to get to here. I want to look at these guys because – I think a lot of these in the public perception are getting like really good grades. I feel like some of them have been kind of meh, so I'm curious to get y'all's opinion. Let's start with Miami. We talked about it. They hire Mario Cristobal. Uh, Funny story out of that one is during his introductory press conference, the (laughs) University of Miami instructed media not to ask him about the hiring process because they know just how shady it was. So, again, replacing Manny Diaz, just a letter grade scale, what do you think about the hire of Mario Cristobal?
1: Does it? Does it? That screams NCAA investigation. Right? No, that—that's no. Kind? I don't
0: think they uh, violated anything, but I just think they know they treated Manny Diaz like crap. Yeah, and they were like, "We don't want you to tell us that we did it because we know we did, and we just okay. don't need any questions on this happy day." It's gotcha. like we know we said to Manny Diaz basically, "Hey, uh, you're here until we get Mario, and then if we don't, we'll keep you, we guess." And which is just a really bad way to treat human beings. But yeah, I don't think it was an NCAA violation. Mostly just Miami being really crappy to a person.
1: Sounds legit. Um, with that being said, I, I give that a B plus. I think it's gonna be all right. It's they're they're, he's not gonna lead them well, to a national championship. Diaz? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. No, no, I'm right? just saying
0: like like grade his performance. Uh, it's been like a C. Okay, so they upgraded. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Cam? I give him
2: a C. I really? I think the higher is a C. I. I'm not too impressed with the hire because I feel like he underachieved a little bit at Oregon. Remember he had Justin Herbert and Penny Sewell at that te- on that team and like one of the top offensive line Did in he the recruit country. them? I don't know if he recruited them. That I don't know, but you still had them Because if you did, then I'm
0: like, hey, you, you got them on the team. Like that's a big yeah. part of it. Oh, yeah,
2: that's a big part. But it's Thanks. to the point you had them on the team and – Kind of underachieved that year, losing to I know Auburn the first game of the season when Bo made that comeback. And two years ago, I won. Yeah. I don't know what team they lost in the regular season. They lost another one. Then yeah, you win the Rose Bowl. They but. lost to
0: Stanford this year, and then they lost to Utah twice. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And then, ugly.
1: They did lose to Stanford. I I will say because a lot of people forget this, they had some injuries and. Uh, their offensive coordinator was not there. Yeah, and that that was a terrible like. Oh, morehead, injury. right? Your,
0: your old OC. Yeah. 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 yeah now had, the head
1: football coach at Akron. They, All right.
2: They had injuries against Ohio State and one, but I know they was missing the OC. Yeah. But what I will yeah. say is, we saw Justin Herbert kind of like just be pampered at Oregon, where he couldn't like progress in that offense. Then he gets to the NFL, he just pops. That was the kind of thing that was happening. So I don't know if it's a good hire. I'll just say a C.
0: I'll say B plus, A minus kind of area. I think he is a really good coach. I think Miami has needed someone like him, and because he's going to build from the inside out. And what I mean that I mean the line of scrimmage out. And if you want to win against the Clemson's and the NC States of the ACC, you're going to have to do that. So I think, and he's a hometown guy. So mm-hmm. I, I think that one's going to work out. All right, Lincoln Riley at USC.
1: Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that's a.
2: Yeah, agree. I, think I agree. I agree. A plus plus.
0: I don't know about plus plus because Lincoln Riley does not have a great postseason record, and right. we talked about this before. What's Lincoln Riley's significant win? I think it's an A because if you looked at every head coach and I'll even say coordinator in college football, who is a better fit? Yeah, young, good-looking dude. Yep. Got a high-powered offense going out to USC. I just I think it fits. I just with Clay Helton, he's a really good football coach. Didn't have maybe the personality, right, from Gainesville, Florida, right? Doesn't inherently have the USC personality. Lincoln Riley's kind of got that swag to him a little bit. Again, gets his butt kicked in the postseason. So does Brian Kelly, and he's getting like $100 million. So it is what it is. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think he brings attention back to USC.
2: Yeah, I give it an A++ because he's going to the Pac-12. I think they're going to be the only relevant team out there for a second. Yeah. So, I, I think he's going to do. I don't, great I don't need explanations. I don't need explanations. I just need sorry.
0: letter grades on the next two. Brent Pry, former uh, Penn State DC to Virginia Tech. A minus. Uh B plus. I'll go B plus two, and I, it's a B plus for me because PJ said he would rather have him as his head coach than his current head coach. So I think that says a lot. Brent Venables to Oklahoma. A. A++. Yeah. I, th- I think it is an A2. You got a guy who knows how to run a defense, if he can get an offensive coordinator in there, you're coming to the SEC. I think yeah. this may have been a blessing in disguise. That's the All important right. Part. Give me you can you can explain on this one. This is the last one we'll do. Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. A+. Plus. Yeah, yeah, I say an A. I think it is an A not just for the fact that you get Marcus Freeman, but in Doing so, you keep your defensive coordinator, basically, mm-hmm. and you kept Tommy Reese, who's your offensive coordinator, so you are keeping a stable program stable. Yep. A 10-11 win program every single year, stable. And now Marcus Freeman, who's a young, energetic dude, he's probably the only head coach in, I'm not going to say the Power 5, because Notre Dame's obviously not a conference, but it's, they're the Power 5 plus one. He's the only head coach that has like, a recruiting profile on rivals was a four-star linebacker in the yeah. early 2000s mm-hmm. that went to Ohio State. So that's awesome already. You're going to see that more, which yeah. is crazy. But, but yeah. the ener- the energy around him and just think about the rise that he's been on from Cincinnati's defensive coordinator last year in the Peach Bowl against Georgia mm-hmm. to now he is was a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame and now he's a head coach. Yeah. I think it's an awesome story. I was kind of rooting for more chaos and obviously for Georgia to win. But if, if he had got a chance to go to the college football playoff, after all of that, coach that there, would, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. But yeah, I think that's an A plus hire from Notre Dame. I think Marcus Freeman is absolutely going to work out up there at Notre Dame. We got more to come. We'll take a quick break. We'll wrap it up here on Second Down. Get you ready for Three and Out. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Guys, we got a big guest coming on Three and Out today. I've been out there flexing my guest booking muscles. Dustin Poirier Woo! from the UFC. Yeah, gonna join the guys coming up. At 430, UFC 269 coming up this week. Dustin Poirier, the number one featherweight contender in the UFC going for that belt. I want to ask him, because I know with like baseball players when they hit a home run and they say they just know it mm-hmm. off the bat, or like when kickers in the NFL hit one, like I knew it was good as soon as I hit it. Do you think when he kicks somebody in the face, he's like, yeah, that's it. Like literally right. as soon as he makes contact or like when he throws like a jab and it hits like in the chin, like right in that sweet spot and he connects, do you think he just feels it and he's like, yep, that's night night.
2: He's a scary human being.
0: But do you think they have that same feeling? You know, like when you let go of a three pointer and you just know, yeah, yeah. like yeah. off your fingertips, yeah. right. do you think he has that same feeling but I'm, I'm with sure. his foot on your face? I'm, I'm I feel like sure. he
1: might, I know everything's happening insanely quickly and, and whatnot in the ring, but at the same time, like, I feel like you might know that while it's almost connect, like while it's still in the quote unquote air.
0: Yeah. You're right? like, like, oh, there it is. Like, that's a mistake. If this
1: guy doesn't move his oh, that's it. Yep. So or like, like what do you think
0: what do you think feels better? When they do like the, the open like the top of the foot, like soccer kick to the face, or like the reverse roundhouse heel to the ear. Imagine somebody just oh, kicking man. you in the <laughs> face. <laughs> and if you, you heal pay for it. Oh <laughs> heel the God. ear. Heal
1: the ear. There's no way that feels good, <laughs> but it might feel better because You're like, if this doesn't connect, it's over for me. Because, like, you leave yourself so
0: vulnerable, I feel like. Yeah, well, we're going to find out. Dustin Poirier coming up at 4.33 and out coming up next.